0: This is Daniel Fagella, Head of Research at Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. Part of our mandate here on the AI and Business Podcast is to cut through the hype and look at AI trends, AI use cases and applications, in various industries. We've covered every industry under the sun, I think, more or less, over the course of the last six years or so running this program. And today we go back to drug development and life sciences, a sector that we've covered in depth, both on our Emerge.com articles, of which there are dozens and dozens of use case coverage pieces around life sciences, and here on the program but we're covering something a little bit different. Normally when people think about processes in drug discovery or drug development, they're not necessarily thinking about text-based processes. Particularly, they're not thinking about the ability to generate text. But as it turns out, there's a lot of text generation that you have to do to pass clinical trials, to be able to summarize research findings, put it together in a specific format. Um, A lot of this is heavily regulated and regimented, and artificial intelligence, as it turns out, has a place where it might be able to add value in this mix. Our guest this week is Emmanuel Walkonnier of EasyOp. He is the CEO of EasyOp. EasyOp is a Paris-based firm focused on natural language generation across industries and financial services and life sciences, and Emmanuel speaks with us this week about those applications of NLG when it comes to drug discovery and life sciences. He also touches on some of the trends that he's seeing uh, in his work in the life sciences space. This episode is sponsored by EasyOp. If you're interested in reaching the Emerge audience, you have an important educational message about use cases and applications of artificial intelligence, then be sure to reach us at emerj.com/ad1. That's ad like advertise and then the number 1. emerj.com/ad1. Without further ado, this is Emmanuel with EasyOp here on the AI and Business podcast. So, Emmanuel, good to have you with us again, and we're speaking today on the topic of artificial intelligence in life sciences. And Before we start diving into use cases, and you guys have a really good one to start off with, I want to talk about why it seems like AI is more of an imperative in life sciences. It feels as though speed since the the COVID pandemic has kind of become more of an imperative. What have you seen on your side in terms of tech adoption and just the environment in in life sciences today?
1: Well, clearly, COVID changed a lot of... uh lot of perspective for you know in this in this specific semi everybody is waiting for the vaccine everybody yep. you know is counting days and weeks I think AI has made sufficient progress that it can have a, a true impact I will talk about you know our use case you know a specific project we have uh, done with Sanofi but this is clearly top of mind I would say in in the whole industry the use case I'm going to talking about, you know, uh, automating the last mile of the drug production process. And this was clearly, you know, a bit of a crazy idea two years ago. Now we're in discussion with eight out of the top 20 pharma companies in the world. So it's clearly not, uh, you know, a POC stage anymore. Yeah, fringe, this fringe pretty, idea. Yeah. You know, this is, you know, this is going to be mainstream in 18 months. So, you know, things are evolving super quickly and, you know, and is linked to, well, the need, the demand, you know, yep. we need to put this stuff faster. And uh, I think the technology now is ready for that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it kind of feels like maybe it's two things coming together. And Emmanuel, you let me know. But on the one hand, you know, the technology itself is maturing. We've had some big breakthroughs with, you know, the GPT-3s of the world. There's vendors like yourselves that are developing technologies and methodologies specific to different industries. And then also we've got kind of this hunger for speed, this willingness to just adopt tools and move quicker from the industry itself. Does it feel like it's both for you in terms of why? Yeah, it
1: both, but it cannot be speed. You know, life science is quite unique industry. It cannot be speed at any cost. For
0: sure. This is a
1: highly regulated, you know, uh, safety is paramount there. You can't do any stupid thing. So this is what is super interesting here you know, even though it is highly regulated, even though safety is, you know, there won't be any compromise, yep, there, yep. they now believe, and we actually, I believe that AI can actually speed this process in a very safe way. Yep.
0: Yeah. And, and clearly there's some, you know, there's some uh, processes where roughshod speed would have more of a negative safe effect than, than others. And, are... and, and, and in your case, fortunately, you know, you're not, uh, you know, uh, actually injecting the drug or doing things like that, but there's certain workflows where, you know, if we can maintain quality, maintain safety, uh, but improve efficiency, that's going to help in a big way. And I guess that's going to take us into our first use case here. So Fe is a big name that you guys are able to talk about here, a company that you're working with. You mentioned this idea of the last mile. Talk about, I guess, a little bit of context on the drug development and kind of clinical trial process and then explain last mile.
1: Yeah, well, really last mile, well, I think, well, everybody now is aware of phase one, phase three, you know, phase two, phase three. You know, you have more and more patients, you are testing your drug, testing the side effects, testing the efficacy of the drug. So, you know, and and the last mile, I say, you know, phase three, before you put your drug to the market, you have to analyze the impact of your drug, you know, with, I would say, tens of thousands of patients. And this, you know, this generates massive amount of clinical data. And this is the role of the medical writers, you know, these are highly skilled, Analyze these data and push that to, you know, the FDA. You know, in a report we call the CSR Clinical Study Report to the FDA. And the FDA, you know, the Food and Drug Administration here in the US, you know, based on this analysis, based on this document, they will say yes, it's fine, or well, no, guys, you know, the efficacy is not. You know, so it's very touchy, high pressure. This is the last mile. Yeah. And the idea we had with Sanofi is okay. How AI how you know machine learning natural language processing you know all the latest i would say ai technology can help not only to automate the structured data points of the csr but you know bring insights to the medical provider so that you know it can do that way more efficiently and it works it works that's the the best part I mean, you can save you know i mean the efficiency gain is actually Pretty substantial for the maker writer, and you can actually reduce the time to market.
0: Yeah, and it, it seems as though you know we've we've actually done a couple. I'll admit it's you know frankly it's not many. I mean the idea of augmenting the writing process, speeding up kind of the the, the notion of content creation. You've got like a, you know you have folks. That are doing NLG for things like, you know, sports articles and whatnot. But this, this very niche area of life sciences obviously has all of its own jargon, right? It has all of its own regulatory specifications, very, very specific world. Talk a little bit about what it looks like to, you know, you said provide insights to the writer, speed up the time for the writer. Where does the AI fit in to kind of enhance and augment this person's ability to produce something not only really good, but produce something relatively quickly?
1: Well, in two ways. You know, what is very cumbersome for the, um, for, the, um, for the medical writer is to do the actual analysis of the data. So you have got dozens of tables, you know, explaining the results of the, you know, the clinical study. So it's super cumbersome. AI can actually analyze the data and provide, you know, true insight. Okay, this is what we've noticed. Now, it's not insight, you know, okay, this is the three things you should write. No, no, no. This is, you know, a clear dialogue, you know, you know, without getting too much detail, you know, do you have the sliders and helps really the, the maker of writers to very easily deep dive in the data and get in plain English. What is the outcome? And this is where, you know, it's not just looking at a graph. It really says, okay, this is, this is exactly what we're seeing. So I can say, all right, this is what I want to say. And it it can deep dive in some data, it can go, you know, a more macroscopic way, you know, and we automatically write what's, you know, actually should write. See what I mean? So it's both data analysis and the language generation and, you know, writing in in plain English so that, you know, it saves time. It doesn't have to do neither the deep dive on the data nor the writings and rewriting and re-rewriting.
0: And how long are these finished products Often, I mean, you know, obviously, again, so regulated, so many requirements. What, what kind of breadth of a document are these folks creating when they're putting these things out?
1: Oh, there are thousands and thousands of pages. I mean, it's a very thick document. And the other, you know, the other area where it can really help in the quality check, because right. obviously it's not just one single person alone who writes, say, oh, I, I believe this is good. No, of course. It, it is a very strict process of reviews within Sanofi and so on. Now, when it's written by the machine, you can trace that to the actual data. So it makes the quality check much easier. So that's another way where you can actually accelerate the process.
0: Got it. So yeah, thousands of pages, you know, multiple collaborators. Part of this is machine generated. So it can be machine informed information so that someone can move more quickly, pull up the data that they need to have and and augment their writing process. But also sometimes just put together portions and chapters uh, exactly. ahead of time for, uh, for the every, you know,
1: what we used to say, every sections of this report, which is data related, you know, we can automate it.
0: Yep. The value prop. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's got to be easier said than done, because again, this is, this stuff is so regula- regulated. And I, I can imagine, you know, the process within one pharma company versus another, that there might be some differences in style and differences in other, other things like that. But let's, let's talk a little bit about the creation itself. So, when it comes to a section, a chapter that's based in data, I presume what you folks need to work with, with the client, in this case, Sanofi, is to have their data structured and tabulated in a specific way. And then Sanofi is going to approve the kind of templated presentation style format. In other words, what's this going to look like? What's the end product? So they've, they've got to they've like the end product. They've got to give you the inputs and the right slots and, and have it organized in some way, or you guys have to figure that out. And then you're going to repeatedly run things through that same sausage maker over and over so that this chapter, boom, it's always going to come out kind of in this way, and then people can edit it as they need to. Talk a little bit about that process. I'm just kind of imagining, but obviously you guys have done this hands-out.
1: No, I, I, you presented pretty really well. Nice. Okay. You know, it's, uh, it's exactly that. You know, there's a data preparation, and, you know, we do that, you know, for each therapeutic area. And actually for each new drug introduction, you have to be sure you capture that, you present that the right way and so on, you know, and you link that with our model. And then the most interesting part is how you model the intelligence. You know, how do you, you know, what insights is interesting for Sanofi? It's not only the style, it's also the content may be different and has to be different actually from Sanofi because this is a secret sauce. Yeah. This is how, based on these data, based on their experience, they say, all right, this is super important. This is clearly for a fact. You know, we can, we can actually prove this working super well or not. And this would be different from, you know, Sanofi or Lilly or Bayer or well, R right. yep, yep. and so on. This is going to be different. The end uh, result, you know, the clinical study report, this is highly regulated by the FDA. So, you know, there's little room for creativity here.
0: And that's good. I mean, that's what you guys want, right? I mean you you want to be able to have better. Yeah, you want a structured process. Absolutely.
1: So that's much better for
0: us. Yeah. Yeah. So these regulated environments, you know, it's it's kind of interesting because in some regards, you know, the, the classic issue here is that, well, you know, with kind of black black box ML solutions, you know, in regulated environments, well, it's very hard to adapt things. Well, there's some cases where things have to be so repetitive. That with a little bit of kind of simple routing, if then, with a little bit of ML to make it happen and facilitate it, we can, you know, leverage AI in a way that actually works better in a regulated environment. You know, this is one of those weird yeah. pockets.
1: Yeah, no, uh, absolutely. But yeah, it's a blend of, you know, sure. pure yeah. yep. ML. You're talking about black box would not work. Of course you know, You're not. talking yeah, about GDB3. Yeah. You have to yeah. be super careful because, you know, you don't master what you write. Now, a blend of machine learning and the diagnostic AI can uh, absolutely suited for this type of
0: Yep, case. yep, Yeah, clearly in your case, it's it's not generated from scratch from the first sentence, right? It's There's a structure no. and then there's ML to yeah. layer it in and make it happen. So, okay, absolutely. cool. So, this last mile example is a good example where, again, that, that ML layer can get some of the rote stuff done. It's We're never going to be getting too creative or fancy with these sections anyway. We have to present the data in a certain way. You put together it in a certain way. The client approves it. Great documents must take god knows how many thousands of man hours to put these things together and any bits of speed or, or improvements in efficiency is going to be great so this is one nice use case of ml kind of making its way into the life sciences space helping with processes i know you've been inspired by some other use cases going on in life science so i'd love to know what else has been exciting for you and where your mind's at these days
1: wow yeah yeah, yeah actually you know yeah, you're absolutely right yeah some use cases are for me completely amazing and, and you know, just give a, you a know, few examples. So the first one is medical image analysis, image recognition yeah, you know, for cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just read that, you know, of course, this is improving just like chess, you know, human playing against <laughs> chess. <you laughs> yep, We're yep, yep. going to win. And uh, AI now, uh, it's a study that we done in France, Germany, and the U.S. They uh, say, you know, AI now can detect 95% of cancer. Where human, I mean, the most you know, experts, you know, physicians and so on, can can actually recognize eighty-seven percent. So now AI can actually be ahead of uh, you know the head of the human, are doing this type of you know specific analysis better than human. So I say, all right, so what? So, you know, should we have the machine cure? You know, directly. You know, can we actually? You know, the way I see that is, well, it's great news. You know, you are talking about augmented you know, medical writer mm-hmm. or maybe, medi- well, this is a fantastic tool for actually the doctor to, you know, to make the right call, to make the right decision. He's the one who is going to see the patient, not the machine. Yep. So for me, you know, keeping the machine where it is, using the machine to serve the human, to serve the doctor is really how it should be looked at and not the opposite.
0: Yeah, it's, people aren't going to want to trust, a, you know, a robot talking to them or something like, like that. Well, I hope, hope yep. not. Yeah, yeah.
1: But, yeah. But for, for me, that's another source of inspiration, you know, is the development of personalized drugs. Yeah, many on, companies, on. based on, you know, the power of AI, you know, the computational power they have now, you know, I think the next generation of drug will be personalized drugs. And uh, that's, you know, there would be one drug for Dan Fagila, one drug me, manual, then, you know, they may be, you know, same, not one fits all type of, you know, stuff anymore, but yeah. personalized drug based on your DNA, based on, you know, many things. Yeah. For me, it's, wow, you know, this, uh, you know, and they believe this can bring, you know, a, a much greater uh, level of, uh, of efficacy with less, you know, side effect yeah. and so on. So I think this is, this is fantastic. And this is the same idea we had when we implement this, uh, you know, feedback loop powered by machine learning, so that our text generator can actually fit your style, dance style, Emmanuel style, Sanofi style, BNP style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think this is, you know, this is this is pretty cool because, you know, it's not just for the sake of, you know, changing the style. Everything has to be done on, you know, when you empower somebody, you have to be you must like what you write. Yep. You shouldn't stop immediately. I've done that you know, a few years ago, you know, back to Say, oh, you know, this is too robotic. First of all, I'm afraid the machine is going to teach me how to do my work. And by the way, this is completely robotic. You know, how do yeah, you use yeah, yeah. So the challenge is not only, of course, to provide the right insight, which we, you know, we can do absolutely perfectly, better than human, I would say, but the style has to be perfect. And if you can match the style of, you know, the people you are actually serving, you are augmenting, you know, this massively increases adoption rate.
0: This is a really interesting point. We're going to dive into this a bit. You know, there is, you know, like they kind of corollary here, you know, in the future we'll have personalized medicine. And when it comes to natural text generation, we'll have personalized text, uh, you know, to the brand, to, the, to the, the individual writer, analyst, whatever it is. So right. getting into that, you're touching on it. In a few ways. You know, on the one hand, there's an interesting element here where Sanafi, you know, might frame things in a certain way. They use some kind of adjectives, not others. They start sentences in a certain way, not other ways, et cetera. And I I would imagine, you know, statistically it's possible to kind of parse out what words lead others, what style and, and approach we have, how long our sentences are, and then that stuff could actually be what we generate. And that would seem great because now as a company, I don't feel like I'm gonna get Some copy paste way of saying this the same way everybody else will. I can still be regulatorily compliant, but I can also have it be the way we write around here. It's going to represent us well, and I think that's important. But you're bringing up something even a bit different, which is at the level of the person. When you're bringing in a technology, you know, you know, I know, I've talked to God knows how many vendors at this point. There is often going to be resistance, and I would say healthcare broadly has more of it than most industries. Life science is less than healthcare, but but still a lot where there's a little bit of, hey, I know what I'm doing. Hey, I don't know if I need this tool, right? And and what you're saying here is that the ability to personalize the writing has helped you guys maybe make the end user more comfortable with getting used to the tool. Has this been an important part of encouraging adoption, of maybe respecting the end user and kind of giving them a tip of the hat so that maybe they're they're willing to work with the tool and adopt it a bit more? Talk about why that's important.
1: It, it, is, it is. Well, first of all, when... You tell, uh, you know, an analyst or medical writer that the machine is going to learn his style. He's intrigued. So, because it's not passive anymore. It's not receiving something and this is it. No, he knows that the machine is actually learning his style. So, you know, this is subtle, but there is an element of uh, of fun there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this adoption is something, you know, AI adoption by end user is something super critical. This is a number one, for me, focus, you know, how can we position that so that you know the people will love that we are doing that to help them, yeah. not to replace them, yeah, but yeah, yeah, doing that to make their you know their work more more cool, you know more yeah. enjoyable, yeah, yeah and get rid of all the tedious you know tasks and so on. so that's you know we we do de- we do some measurement of the um of the satisfaction, you know, are you happy with the are you yeah, happy yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that really help you, you know, and this is of course some survey we're doing you know with all of our customers yeah uh, after so a few cool. uh you know a few weeks usually you know we got top-notch uh you know uh, uh, right. uh mark yeah because yeah. you know i mean all this you know soul stuff that you know makes him comfortable with what uh, you know with the tool yeah. this, this yeah, yeah. is critical it's not just you know okay let's write stuff and this is it you know it doesn't work
0: that way Man, You're doing business with human beings, and anybody who's listening right now, if you're a listener and you're inside of a big enterprise, if you're a listener and you're a vendor, thinking about the interface where the tech hits the workflow and the user is mind-blowingly important, arguably more important than the technology some of the time. You got to have good tech, but if you can master that interface, and for you guys, Emmanuel, I know you, you do work in financial services, you work in life sciences, the more experience in a specific industry the faster, smoother your onboarding can be, the faster, smoother your expectations of different user types and what they care about will be. And then you can keep those satisfaction scores high. But I think some people think, well, the tech could work anywhere. I'll just kind of plug it in. But to make it settle into a company, to make it settle into an industry and a department is not easy. And what you're saying is that part of the way that you get buy-in, that you get some shared ownership with these end users is to let them know We're not just going to impose this top down on you. This system is going to drink in the way that you create things and and help you.
1: Yes. And give them ways. You know, the style is one thing, but give them this as well. And this is a bit of magic, you know. Okay, you want to deep dive in this section? You want more detail? You know, here we go. You know, they've got a slider and they can say, okay, give me more detail. Automatically, we give more detail, less detail. It is his choice. You know, if you want a three-line summary or if you want a three-page detail analysis, this is is, is in control, is in charge.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, very important. You know, the, the way that you're saying this, in control, in charge, you know, you mentioned kind of mastering their style, this element of fun. These are human things. You know, humans don't want to be a cog in the wheel. And to be able to frame things this way, what you're articulating here is, is hard-won knowledge and and really, really, really important for folks to tune into. So, uh, yeah, incredibly, incredibly important is the tech. Incredibly important is how we introduce it to the user in a way that feels empowering right away and feels like it's an augmentation to their job and role. So I really appreciate you getting into some detail on that. And we're going to close off on just kind of some takeaways from your experience. So, you know, some of the listeners who are tuned in are in the life sciences space. Maybe some people are outside of it. But a key lesson here from my perspective is that, you know, if, the life sciences world writ large kind of went into overdrive with covid you know it feels as though certainly we're seeing interesting ml initiatives across all the big pharma giants we've we've seen some acquisitions there's companies raising funding in this space it's moving quick so if if we're a life sciences leader that's looking to adopt ai what are some critical elements of sort of adopting ai well santa fe did a good job seemingly here with you guys because you know they went through kind of a pilot phase they got this thing to a deployed level where it can actually be a real part of workflows and be be helping their users and helping them with their with their process. Not everybody's going to get it right on the first go. What are some lessons about adopting AI well that can help people kind of crawl, walk, and run and get these technologies really working?
1: I think as we discussed, positioning, well, managing the expectation and positioning as a help and not, you know, if a project manager believes or actually is more the leaders say, all right, we're going to implement AI. This is going to replace, you know, this amount of FTE you know, this is going to be very difficult to deploy. So get the right positioning. You want to augment your guys. You want to make their life easier. You want to give them the top notch tool and top notch technology so that they you know they can do a stellar job. This is, you know, this is super critical, and maybe some internal communication around that. You know, yeah, uh, you know, some of our my customers are doing great. You know, I mean, Sanofi is calling this tool Bob. Bob can help you. Bob is going to help you in your job. Other calls, this that is Kami, great, Camille. So Camille is here to, you know, so make it fun, make it, you know, position that as a help, yeah. not as a threat. Yeah, super important. Change, you know. Don't underestimate the resistance to change and make it easy, make it cool, it you know, so that really this is interest.
0: Yeah. The element of fun. You're really, you brought this up two or three times. I I don't know if I've ever heard as many people emphasize this, but you're really saying, Hey, you know, frame it as a help and not a threat, but also, you know, this is going to be cool. This is going to be, you know, a good thing. And it is.
1: And and frankly, it is. So, you know, and, and don't be obsessed by the technology, as you say, you know, this is something for your end users, whether it's powered by machine learning, any yep. whatever, it is, Whatever for sure. you don't really care. Yes. You know, as that's, long as it gets a job. You know, that's the engine. The second you mentioned that's that start small, you know, we can start in a few days, you know, these type of trials and measure. In our case, it's very easy. You can measure, you know, you can measure the efficiency. All right. You know, how many hours it took you before, how many minutes it took you afterwards, you know, using this technology. I would say build confidence in the tool, as we said, but as well measure the ROI. And you can do that now, you know, pretty quickly. So that is not, you know, this is something, you know, this type of project, you, know, you, do, you don't do that for the sake of the technology. You do that too because, you know, you have an ROI to measure. And then, of course, deploy. Most of the time, if you do that correctly, you know, position that correctly, do that, you know, in um, you know, small steps. The sign of a successful deployment is that usually the customers have 2, three, five, 10 ideas. Okay, this smart automation, you know, for this report works super well. Now, guess what? I've got five other reports. I could be automated. Yeah, yeah. And that's a very good sign of success. But first, start with one. Make yeah. it right. Have the great feedback of your users. Create success and boom. Anyway, yeah. at the end of the day, the end user is going to ask for it. You know, because they, they see the benefits and they say, well, you know.
0: Really important on your original point there around, you know, the, the end user experience, you know, because if you make the first use case work to the point where the end users are asking for it, now the land and expand strategy becomes pretty easy. If there's continued resistance at the user level, the, the expansion is probably not going to happen. So yeah, really, like really, yeah, that's... really important points here. Framing is a help and not a replacement. Making it fun having some communication around that, not just have it pop up on their screen one day, have some communication, introduce people to this in a way that frames it right. um, And then be able to start in a targeted way until users get that pull and then expand from there. I think great lessons for literally anybody in the enterprise and probably for some vendors as well. This has been some good stuff. Emmanuel, I know that's all we have for time, but thank you so much for being able to join us again and hopping on the show.
1: Thanks, Dan. Thanks a lot.
0: So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business podcast. A big thank you to Emmanuel for joining us on this episode and thank you to you for listening all the way through. So many more of you over the course of the last six months or so have uh, gotten connected to us on social, and we really appreciate it. We've been sharing more on LinkedIn and on Twitter and even on Facebook, and it's been great to have more of our Emerge listeners and our Emerge email subscribers uh, following us on social and keeping up the conversation there. If you haven't already, be sure to connect with us on social. It's at EMERJ on Twitter, or Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research on LinkedIn or on Facebook. So if you'd like to support the show, be sure to follow Follow us on social, and otherwise, keep it locked here. Next Tuesday, we're going to be covering artificial intelligence and the future of sales enablement. So you might not be a salesperson, but getting an understanding about how sales workflows are being automated and enhanced and how sales people are being augmented in their ability to sell better, you will not want to miss next Tuesday's episode. So keep it locked. Look forward to seeing you here on the next episode of the AI and Business Podcast.